Welcome to No Budget Nightmares. This is Mo. He's a bad film hating while I skating all the while masturbating. That's, that's Mo Porn. Yeah. yeah. And with me as always is the one and only Doug Tilly. He's bow, Doug bow, Tilly. Bow, 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 number bow, one super bow, guy. Bow, bow, bow. Mo, how much energy do we have here tonight? Oh, we are through the roof with energy. Yeah, we're packed with it. You know, we've been snorting coke and drinking coffee all day. I guarantee you it's going to be at least a full five minutes before I start yawning. <laughs> Mo was yawning uh, uh, at length before we started recording uh, here, and the reason is Mo, and I don't want to pull back the curtain too much, but you're a little tired today. Oh, super fucking tired! See, I just failed. Yeah, <laughs> I, just, I didn't even make it five minutes in before I started <laughs> yawning. Uh, yeah, yeah, I had a really, really fucking busy day today, and I'm I'm just super fucking exhausted. Well, what better way to cap off a busy day, Mo? than to talk about another no-budget classic yeah. on the podcasts of all podcasts, No Budget Nightmares. Can we really call this a classic? <laughs> it's Oh, it's a classic, all right. Oh, classic. It has a lot of deep history, Mo. And, uh, and the movie we're talking about, what is the movie we're talking about today, Mo? We are talking about Terror at Baxter U. The, uh, the wonderfully titled Terror at Baxter U. And despite the fact that not only have I been talking about this movie for about two weeks... And then I watched it, and I took copious notes. I forget the title every single time I have to say it. I have to have it in front of me in order to remember it. That, to me, Mo, suggests that it's not a very good title. Yeah. Um, right before we started recording, just to give the audience an idea, literally, like mm-hmm. a second before we started recording, you said, what's the name of the movie again? <laughs> <laughs> And I was not being facetious. And I legitimately I had forgotten. Oh, no, no. Yeah, you sounded sincere. <laughs> So this is a movie from 2003, Mo, Terror at Baxter U, directed by Jeff Burton and written by Bill Vincent, who also plays a role in the movie, Mo. Now, I've done a little a little bit of research on this, uh, Mo, and I have a, some interesting information to, to relate to both you and the audience. I just, I find it hard to believe that you have any information that's legitimately interesting. Well... I mean, I'm not going to make any promises. <laughs> Look, don't hold me to it. If it ends up not being interesting, you're getting this for free. So what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, but so let me first set the stage. So we have Jeff Burton, who's the director. He would go on to direct a movie called Dead End Road in 2004. And do you know who's in that movie? Who's in the cast, Mo? Um, Ethan Embry. No, that's, that's a pretty good guess, but absolutely not. Oh. Uh, instead, it has Dennis Haskins. Mr. Oh, Belding okay. from... <laughs> <laughs> uh, and in 2007, Jeff Burton directed The Final Curtain. Uh, and that movie has... I'm not going to make you uh, guess this time. Oh, thank that, you. That movie features Reggie Bannister from the Phantasm films. Oh, I love Reggie Bannister. 
But that isn't the interesting part. The interesting part is the written by Bill Vincent part, because didn't you think, Mo, as you were watching the movie? Now, you recognize that Bill Vincent plays uh, the Professor Moxie in the movie. Oh, yeah. Now, Okay, you do know, you know that now, so that's good. I know good. that now, yeah, so <laughs> that's good. But he's kind of an older fella, don't you think? Yeah. Kind of strange for an older fella like that to be writing a horror movie. Eh, not necessarily, but... Not I mean, necessarily. Yeah. That's exactly right, Mo. It's very good. Plays right into what I'm about to say. <laughs> <laughs> because you see, uh, Bill Vincent is a teacher, a professor at Michigan University. At Baxter U? <laughs> not Baxter U. The Michigan University. I believe Baxter U in this film is actually Michigan University, which explains, Go by the way... Wolverines. Which explains how they had access to all of the university, I guess, materials. I'm going to guess, by the way, and I don't know this for sure, that a lot of the actors in this movie were just students from Michigan U. Yeah, I assume. <laughs> I, I'm just putting out a theory out there, Mo. You don't have to... You can, you can throw it back or you can take it and just hold it in your hand. I don't mind. I, I held firm. But here's the interesting bit. Bill <laughs> I'm, Vincent I'm is waiting. actually... I'm waiting for the interesting bit. It's yeah. got to, I'm building. That's I'm, Everyone's waiting for it. Bill you're Vincent, vamping. You're, 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 you're killing time here. You're, it's filler. <laughs> I know how much you want to get through this episode, Mo, so I'm really <laughs> taking my time. Bill Vincent also made an appearance, get this, in a little movie called The Evil Dead. Ooh. And he also appeared, briefly, in a little movie called Army of Darkness. Huh. And the reason he's in The Evil Dead and Army of Darkness is that he was a teacher at the time that Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell went to that university. Fascinating. See? So the connection is that he taught... Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi, who went on to make The Evil Dead and put him in the movie. And then later, you know, they paid tribute to him by putting him in Army of Darkness. And then later on, he decided, huh, you know what? I'm the guy who got these guys going. I'm going to write my own horror movie. And the result is the new horror classic, Terror at Baxter U. El Chupacabra. Yes, it does feature the El Chupacabra. Now, what is a Chupacabra, Mo? Uh, Well... According to the film, a mm-hmm. chupacabra is very similar to a female vampire. Is that what your understanding of it was? No, I always thought it was like a dog-like creature that sucked on goats. Yeah, me too. Well, it's a goat sucker. It does mention that in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and we have the audio clip. <laughs> we have the audio clip for that. Uh, but yes, in in the context of Terror at Baxter U, it's like a female vampire. Unfortunately, Mo, and I'm just going to get this out of the way right off the bat. We never actually get to see the chupacabra in the film. Yeah, we were, yeah we were discussing this as well. How that's literally the biggest disappointment in this movie is that the entire movie is about a fucking chupacabra, and the one thing you don't see in the movie is a fucking chupacabra. <laughs> it's it it really, it really is a very strange decision, and I'm going to guess that uh, the reason that we don't see the chupacabra in this movie is because uh, Conrad Brooks killed the chupacabra in one of his many battles. With the, the various monsters that are out there. But um So Jeff, Jeff Burton directed Terror at Baxter U in 2003. I'm going to guess that maybe he had some sort of... Uh, he was probably a, a student of uh, Michigan U. And uh, Bill Vincent was probably one of his props. Again, I'm just jumping to conclusions here. And that's how this movie came together. It's sort of like a school project. We're going to make a movie. That's why, by the way, almost everyone involved with this has a single acting credit. Terror at Baxter U from 2003. 
Yeah, and uh, you remember back in the day when we used to give like director advice, you know, to up and coming <laughs> directors, and, you know, before we just became snarky assholes. Um, I I, I want to go back in time a little bit and give a little bit of a directing advice here, just in general, not necessarily to this director, but just in general. Mm-hmm. I do want to tell people if you can't afford to create the monster that's the main villain in your film change the villain because <laughs> it like because i mean it was super disappointing me and you were just talking about it, it was super fucking disappointing yeah. that the whole entire movie they keep talking about chupacabra chupacabra and like it seemed like they spent their entire you know their entire uh visual budget on green lamps you know a, bl- a red lens for the for the uh for the camera and like one Let's face it, because there's only, you know, there's only one of them. One fucking, like, little amulet looking thing, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, come on. Don't and make there a movie is, there chupacabras is, and then there, not show a chupacabra. There's not a lot of makeup effects in this movie, but there is some to the point where yeah. you feel like they could have thrown something together. Look, toss, a, you know, glue some extra fur onto a dog. We're not going to, at least it's something. We're not going to complain if we get a dumb looking dog. I don't know why it would be a dog necessarily. It's supposed to be a woman in the context of the movie. Just put yeah. some makeup on a woman. Give her right. some fangs. You have your sure chupacabra. Just... Right. Exactly. I don't even care if it's like those little plastic, you know, Halloween uh, store makeup fangs, you know? Just you mean her... the kind of thing that <laughs> the kind of thing that Dave Rock Nelson might put in his mouth. Right, in his right, movies. exactly, exactly. And you know what? I enjoyed Dave Rock Nelson's film more than I enjoyed this. So, Well, That's... Terror at Baxter Yuma, we're going to get to that in just a second. Now, this, this episode... Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this yeah. episode of No Budget Nightmares is episode number 97, meaning Holy that we're just... Shit. Yeah, uh, we're just three episodes away um, from our 100th episode. That's and, awesome. That's awesome. And, you know, on the last episode that we recorded of this show, our big meat eater episode, Mo, we mentioned that we have a uh, a planned special guest for that episode. Now, I'm a big meat eater. <laughs> yes, I am. Between the time we recorded that and right now, <laughs> yeah, we've actually gotten another guest for yeah, that episode. Yeah, I'm super excited. However, I refuse to reveal it to our audience. I, yeah, I kind of want it to be a surprise. But I will tell you this, audience. You will never, in a million fucking years, <laughs> no. guess who this guest is. <laughs> you, will, you will absolutely not. Feel free to go onto the onto the Facebook group, you know, give an idea of who you think it might be. I guarantee you, every single one of you will be wrong. Please try. We really yeah, do try. want you to try. And if you get it, well, I'll private message you and say, good job. But you and must I, have... I will our, give... I will give one hint. Okay. It's not Joe Castro. <laughs> <laughs> Though I'll tell you what, Mo. There's a part of me that wants to reach out to Joe Castro. I really want to talk to him, but I don't want to ha- I don't want to potentially wind up sucking another man's cock in in picture form at least. <laughs> to to understand what Mo is talking about right now, listen to our 50th episode. <laughs> thir- thir- no, 30th, 30th episode. 30th episode? What, what yeah, was remember, it, remember it was the 30th episode extravaganza because it was oh. just so ridiculous that we did it for the 30th episode. <laughs> Boy, we're we're really incompetent when it comes to making podcasts. <laughs> but anyway, yes, check out the 30th. We've been doing this for how many years and we just have no fucking clue. <laughs> <laughs> it's always like every once in a while, like literally like every month or two, 
someone private messages me and says, uh, do you guys have a promo for No Budget Nightmares that I can put on my podcast? And I'm like, like, you know no. what? We really should. <laughs> for a podcast that's been running this long, it's kind of idiotic that we don't. But yeah, and we say, and we, and, me, and this is a conversation that you and I have had yeah. multiple times over the years. We're like, we should really set up a promo for this. And we're like, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, let's do this. And then just nothing ever happened. Like, like, like setting up a YouTube channel. We're like, yeah, yeah, we'll set up a YouTube channel. We'll put out some. Uh, well, that one's on you, thing. bro. That, oh, it's totally on me. It's totally on me. But like, I mean, technically they're both on me because I'm the one who said, yeah, I'll set up the promo. No problem. And just nothing the, ever happens with it. The problem really is that Mo and I have a real, um, uh, pattern when it comes to how we record the show in that we have a time that we're set to record mo will come on and we'll be ready and then you know something technical will inevitably inevitably go wrong <laughs> inevitably yes mo will be very tired <laughs> and we will jump into recording as soon as possible get through it and then by the time it's over we're both exhausted and we're like fuck doing anything else we gotta go <laughs> it's and also we, it'll be like 11 we, o'clock we, yeah and then we don't talk again until the next episode <laughs> that that's literally how No Budget Nightmares comes together. It's how we keep it fresh, I think. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> we have a very Penn and Teller relationship where it's like you know, like we're like we're like best friends who never talk. That's right. <laughs> we're like we're both Penn in this yeah, case. We're both. Uh, <laughs> if anything, I'm the Teller. <laughs> uh, and that, of course, all, that also reflects our strong libertarian belief system. <laughs> <laughs> Terror at Baxter U, Mo. Yeah. Written by Bill Vincent. <laughs> the movie starts with IndieHorror.com in association with BV Productions Presents. I love that it opens with like a plug for a website. <laughs> Does IndieHorror.com still exist, Mo? I, you know what? I meant to look it up. And then after I was done with this movie, I was like, fuck everything else about this movie. I'm going to go watch something else. Well, according to DomainMarket.com, <laughs> IndieHorror.com does not exist anymore. Mm. So if you you know you can purchase that domain right now. In fact, that's a good one. You should probably go get that, listeners. Like uh, honestly, and- honestly, with the niche market of people buying, you know these, um, what's the fucking name of the company that that does these? GoDaddy? No, 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 no. That's oh. what I'm talking about. The uh, oh, brain damage films. The, yeah, the, the the people, the comp. Oh, my, Pendulum is that what it is? Well, Pendulum, bo- which I box? guess is yeah, yeah is Mill Creek box. is, is Mill the Creek. Real. That's the one. Yeah, um, you know, with like you know, with with the market for people buying these box sets from Mill Creek, you know, like so you might actually get some traffic. You know, not a lot, but you might get some. On this page where it says that the domain is owned by someone but not currently being used. It lists some of the other domains related to it and the price it would cost for you to purchase them. <laughs> so if instead of IndieHorror.com, you wanted HorrorProductions.com, that would cost you $29,888. Whoa. And if you want TalesOfHorror.com, that's $24,888. So don't do that. <laughs> Come up with some other fucking name and do not pay whoever is sitting on these goddamn things a goddamn cent. Nope. Terror at Baxter U. What does it start with, Mo? Well, it opens with uh, some scintillating erotica. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at least until they open their mouths. Um, but there's a, basically a couple sort of giving... Copulating. Aha, copulating. Nah. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's some Halloween decorations around to set the, to- the time and the tone of the movie. And we see a, a, a young man and a young woman uh, of college age... And they're in their undies, 
and they're making out. Yes, they are. And then they hear a sound, Mo. And there's a lot of different weird sounds that people hear in this movie, but it's like some kind of howling or whatever. And then the guy goes, hey, what was what is that? And she goes, I thought it was you. And he looks all offended. He goes, fuck that. And that's a really strange relationship that we're, <laughs> we're witnessing here. <laughs> I always say, you know, we, I bet that Mo, that we're the same in this and that we only really watch the movie once when we're taking our notes. Oh, yeah. But I will say this one probably would have benefited from us watching the whole thing and then going back because there's so many characters introduced and I'm so concerned about remembering them and then it's never important. <laughs> yeah. So then the guy, who is unnamed, uh, he starts walking through the hall to find out what the uh, what what the deal is, what the sound is coming from. And and his uh, girlfriend, uh, she's uh, walking, you know, kind of close behind him. The lighting in this is is very uh, intense. There's a lot of kind of blues and reds. It's uh, very Argento esque, I would say, or Bava esque. Um, but the the lighting will get a lot more irritating a little later on. <laughs> So then we get our first experience with the Chupacabra Mo, even though we don't know it's that at the moment. Right. It's a POV shot all in red. Yeah, and, I, and, and like in my notes, I refer to this as blood vision, basically. Blood visions! Uh, and the POV shot right. suddenly rushes towards the dude, a la the Evil Dead. <laughs> yeah, it's very... Yeah, it's like really, really low-rent Evil Dead. And then he starts screaming. Which leads the uh, young woman to run upstairs. Uh, and then she starts like pounding on doors and trying knobs. <laughs> she was trying knobs when she started too. You know what I'm saying? Womp womp. But, uh, but no one is there. The place is completely empty. Then we see another POV shot uh, all in red in the blood vision. Um, and then the editing goes all kind of crazy as the thing rushes towards her. And we hear a scream. And then what do we see, Mike? <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad that you... Uh, that you... Uh, uh, sh- shot the shot the conversation my way on this one because mm-hmm. this is one of my favorite effects in the entire movie. Yes, um, what you see, dear listeners, <laughs> is a decapitated mannequin. Um, you know, basically, it looks like one of those um, uh, one of those biology mannequins. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, uh, thrown over the side of a staircase. Someone has thrown a mannequin. <laughs> <laughs> over the staircase to its doom oh yeah yeah that mannequin is not gonna survive and it's safe to say outside of maybe one other effect in the entire movie this is the most kind of gore and makeup uh that we really will witness for the rest of the entire movie yeah and at the time when i saw it i was like hey cool free dummy uh and and i was really impressed but uh that that feeling was not to last we then get this the title of the movie jeff burton's Terror at Baxter U. Obviously, Mr. Burton, uh, very impressed with his own work here. He's super fond of this film. You'll leave Jeff Burton alone! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We do have fun. So then it cuts to what is, I uh, imagine, the next morning. And there's an ambulance in front of the building. I do do have to say, I kind of love, like, the little like reanimator touch he adds to the title too like how his name lights up green it's nice that he does that because before that it's just kind of white outline on black and it's very difficult to read yeah you can't even (laughs) see it so so then we cut to the next morning and there's a a lot of concerned students who seem to be by the way literally just feet away from the uncovered corpse yeah they are they are (laughs) 
Before we, we continue here, Mo, I want to talk to you about what this movie is trying to be. Would you consider Terror at Baxter U a horror comedy? You know, it's funny you would mention that because mm-hmm. it took me, uh, I can't find my notes, but when it comes up in my notes, I'll, 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 I'll mention it, uh, of how long it took me to realize that this is trying to be funny. Like, I honestly think I was 35, maybe 40 minutes into the movie before I realized, oh, wait, this movie's trying to be funny. And and then I looked back at all the acting previously, and I'm like, oh, it makes sense now. Not that it was any good, but it made sense, you know, that, oh, they're trying to be fucking funny. This is trying to be a horror comedy. It fails yeah. miserably. It's terrible. It, I'll tell fun. you, it's not a good sign when you don't know until halfway through the movie yeah. that it's even trying to be humorous <laughs> at all. <laughs> So uh, we learn a little bit. Uh, we get we we get introduced to some of the the main characters, including Professor Moxie, who arrives. Now again, Professor Moxie is uh, played by uh, Bill Vincent, the writer of the movie. Uh, and and we also get one in- of my sa- and named after one of my favorite sodas. Oh, Moxie sodas. Moxie's good. Who is it? You know what? <laughs> Going back to Penn and Teller, Mo, Ooh. isn't Penn Gillette's yeah, daughter Mo- Moxie she- Crime Fighter? Is named Moxie Crimefighter. Isn't it unbelievable we know so much about this fucking guy? <laughs> you know what else is interesting? What? Pendulette, his wife, is from the island of Newfoundland, where I'm from. Huh. Isn't that interesting? He has a partner from Newfoundland just like you do. Nice. So I guess you are the Pendulette in this fucking show. <laughs> so anyway, we get introduced to Professor Moxie and Professor Dregstone, Cassandra Dregstone. Now, what's she all about, Mo? Um, she's basically, uh, like the Professor Umbridge, you know, like from Harry Potter of this movie, Mm -mm, just minus the evil. (laughs) She's very suspicious. She's very suspicious. It's interesting that she's that when we have another character named Snapes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, uh, but she, yeah, she, I'm awfully suspicious about this Dregstone. I think she's up to no good. Yeah, she could, she couldn't possibly be a red herring. <laughs> this movie presents her as being so transparently the bad guy that any reasonable person watching this movie would immediately discount her as possibly being the person we should be casting suspicion on. Yep. And in fact, that then would make you think that maybe the person that is celebrated as being good and true and full of light and goodness, that maybe they're the person we should be suspicious. Oh, come on. That could never happen in a movie like this. Well, I'll tell you, if I was a university professor writing a horror movie, I certainly wouldn't want something so transparently ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll see what happens here. Uh, so uh, the students are all crowding around. Basically, Professor Dregstone makes them all disperse. Um, and then uh, Professor Moxie goes into his office. And what happens there, Mo? Well, once he's in his office, some blood drips onto his head. And then this happens. Oh, no. Not again. The quality falling down sound there. <laughs> so what happens is basically an arm flings down from over his doorway uh, to show that there's a corpse up there. It's actually the corpse of the uh, young man from the opening because we only saw the corpse of the young woman afterwards. Um, and and he says, oh, no, not again. Why does he say that, Mo? It is absolutely not explained. I mean, later, kind of. But it do- it's mm. never explained why he would be saying that. Yeah, it, that doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, minutes later, uh, a cop comes in, a female cop, 
Uh, and she yells out, Lieutenant Klinger, you better get in here. We've got another one. Um, and then we also get introduced just briefly to Snapes, who's like a janitor who looks kind of weird. And he sounds like Igor, wouldn't you say, Mo? <laughs> I described him as uh, an Igor type roaming around doing his best Peter Lorre impression. Yes, that I think that's yeah. pretty fair. Yeah, absolutely. Now, keep in mind, everybody, remember in the Facebook group, I made a comment that I was five minutes into the movie and I had already figured out the ending of it. That audio clip, which which happens at four minutes and 57 seconds into the film, and I had already figured out the ending by that. So I wasn't even five minutes in. <laughs> fucking movie. So, so Lieutenant Klinger, who is a guy we'll get very intimately... Oh my uh, god, I hate him. <laughs> he's I the worst. Him. Oh, he's the fucking worst. In, a, in a, a film in a film filled with fucking terrible characters, he's the worst i mean i am i i am set up to dislike cop characters anyway (laughs) just because of the world and how it works i'm predisposed yeah no i get it. predisposed that's the word i should have used and and this character boy it he really yeah he plays out exactly why you would have that suspicion so he goes into the room starts poking at this uh corpse doesn't seem too concerned with the the professor who's fainted right next to it um (laughs) And then he finds something in the corpse's hand, Mo. What does he find? Um, it well, it doesn't show it right away, right? Um, you know, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But I do love the fact that then the cop says, "Oh no, not again," which is exactly the same thing that uh, the professor just said, right? And also equally not explained. Yeah, and if, well, this that one sort of is, uh, and and that is probably why it's immediately followed. With a flashback, Mo, to 1975. Oh, is that... Wait, hold on. Does it say that it's flashing back to 75? Yeah, it says on the screen, Baxter University, October 1975. Oh, I... You know, I must have missed that part, because I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm like, who the fuck are these stoner hippie guys? (laughs) I I can't stress to you enough, Mo, how long the words Baxter University, October 1975 are on the screen during this part. Well, you know... (laughs) You know, I'm a hunt and peck style type, so <laughs> I, have to, I have to look at my keyboard. I mean, don't get me wrong. I can hunt and peck type like 38 words a minute. Sure. You know, but, I, you know, it's, I still. And I, trans- I, I transcribe professors for a living. So obviously <laughs> I'm coming from this from a different perspective. Right. <laughs> so these two stoners, uh, are, this is again, 1975. They're like ridiculous hippie stoners who talk like Bill and Ted, by the way, not like yeah. real hippies. Yep. They're just walking along on the grounds of the university. Uh, and they're, they're talking absolute fucking nonsense. Yeah. What, one of them says like, did you see those orange triangles last night? Yeah. I, <sighs> yes. I assume <laughs> that they were, that there was going to be some kind of like alien, um, yeah. You know, subplot or something like that. Nope. No, they're just stoners, and this is how stoners talk. They're like, hey, man. So then I think Snapes uh, is shown briefly running out of uh, the woods, and then the stoners go over to uh, – it might not actually be Snapes in this case. It's at least a guy with glasses. The stoners go over, and they find a couple on the ground, and they tap one with their foot, which shows <laughs> that these people are obviously uh, dead and decapitated. Yep. And then this is what happens. Shit! Like, whoa! <laughs> Shut up, dude! Whoa! <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. So the the guy uh, who uh, initially touched the corpses with his foot, he finds a medallion on the ground. That's how I have it described here. It's like a medallion, Mo. So this this is the thing also that the the police officer, the lieutenant, found in the hand of the corpse earlier. So when he said, oh, no, not again, he's referring to the fact that back in 1975, a very similar thing happened. Now, what is this medallion? Like, whoa! <laughs> like, like, totally radical, like, to the max, dude. Excellent! <laughs> anyway, anyway, station. Okay, all right. So this medallion, Mo. <laughs> What does it look like? Um, it looks brown. Yes, I don't know. It looks like like it's like a face, right? Something it's. Like I think that. it has like a uh, Native American face on it. Though we yeah. find out later that it's, I guess, an indigenous person from uh, Mexico. Yeah, um, it's 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 now what, right? Something like that. What was, what was I that believe joke? that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like we're being offensive even saying I, it. Yeah, how they say yeah, it. In the I, movie. I feel I feel horrible <laughs> even saying that out loud. But I feel that that's what they said. So then it cuts to present day, Mo. And of course, you didn't know it was cutting to present day because you didn't know that it was a flashback in the first place. All the same to me. Uh, And we have uh, Professor Moxie being checked by an EMT. uh, And the lieutenant says that he wants to ask him uh, a few questions. They then do this really awkward bit, which is repeated throughout the movie. Like, the lieutenant, his comedic gimmick in this movie, and I didn't even realize for a long time that it was supposed to be his comedic gimmick, is that he just stands there for a long time looking for, like, his notes. And it's just this long, awkward moment as he kind of slowly takes out his notepad and finds the page he's looking for. And they repeat it several times throughout the movie. And it's supposed to be funny, but guess what, Mo? It is not. Yeah, and sometimes he'll have, like, four or five notebooks that he's trying to, like, search through. And it's <sighs> it gets old. Like, although there is one. I think it's, like, the first or second time that he does it where he's taking out all the notebooks and he drop drops one and I, and like, there's nothing really inherently funny about it. I just got a kick out of it because I thought it was funny. Like, Oh, this guy dropped a notebook. And like, I think, Oh, maybe that's going to lead to something later. And it doesn't, of course, no, of course it but, does not. Yeah. And then we get introduced to actually our main characters. It's basically a room full of students. I guess it's like a upper year class. Uh, and they're, they're supposed to be seniors. Yeah. They're supposed to be seniors. And I guess some of them are TAs. Um, and there's, let's see how many there are. There's probably like eight or nine of them. And it made me very concerned, Mo, about the number of characters we're introduced to all at once and me trying to keep track of who they are and what their personalities are. But soon I realized it doesn't matter. Yeah, they're all going to be dead soon anyway. The, the, most of them are going to be dead, Mo. That's very, very good. <laughs> so uh, the only one that we have to be aware of right now, well, there's kind of two. There's Marty who is the biggest asshole around the table. Mm-hmm. And that's his defining characteristic. He is completely unrepentant. He's an asshole. There's no reason that anyone should spend time with him. He also seems to be rather popular. Um, and then we have Jason. Now, Jason is new to the school for reasons that at this point we're not aware of. Uh, and I can't remember his last name, Mo. Isn't it? Isn't it Jason Red Herring? <laughs> it's Jason Red Herring. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think I think Red Herring is uh, Dutch for Hardcastle. <laughs> Hardcastle. That's yeah. right. Uh, and uh, and then Professor McCormick comes in. I'm just kidding. Because um, like Hardcastle and McCormick. Oh, I got the joke. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> uh, so 
there's, you know, they talk a bunch of nonsense. None of the students really know Jason because he's new. They're a little suspicious. I think uh, that Marty uh, might be briefly uh, asshole-ish to him, as he will be later as well. Then Professor Dregstone, remember the woman from earlier? She oh, yeah, comes her. In, and she uh, tells them that Professor Moxie, who was supposed to be teaching their class, has been incapacitated. It's an anthropology class, by the way. Yeah. Uh, he, he's been incapacitated. And I guess he. she suggests that he has like a heart attack. And is going to miss the entire semester. Yeah, um, this actually leads to one of my favorite jokes in the entire movie. I, I don't think it's an intentional joke. And if it is, it's a bad intentional joke. Mm-hmm. But um, it leads to one of my favorite moments that actually gave me the biggest laugh. She goes around the room and asks everybody, since they're seniors, that uh, to define anthropology. And the yes. first girl she asks starts with, Webster's defines anthropology <laughs> as... <laughs> And just, like, the joke of starting it with Webster defines anthropology. Like, did you have time to write this, you know? That that seems like the kind of joke a professor would write. So I actually oh, think that yeah. maybe that is an intentional stab. Stab, Mo, in a horror movie. <laughs> humor. It, well, you know what? I, it made me laugh. Then Professor Moxie actually enters the room, looks very surprised that someone else is already teaching his class. Uh, and he says that he's quite recovered from the shock. And that he's perfectly capable of teaching his own class. Shows very early on, Mo, that there's some sort of conflict between Dregstone and Moxie. These are ridiculous names, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So uh, then, uh, before he can really teach the class, the cop comes in and he wants to talk to both Moxie and Dregstone. Which is very unusual because the lieutenant just in the previous scene said he wanted to ask questions to Professor Moxie. So you'd think he would have done it just then. You'd think. Yeah. I mean, you would think, Mo. I would think. I don't know. So he drags the two of them into the hall. Uh, Dregstone is kind of uh, very um, incredulous. Incredulous. That's right. Uh, and and uh, she actually uh, makes reference to the fact that the students were uh, having sex in the Professor Moxie's, uh, I guess, his office. Yeah. Which he makes available to his students, as we find out a little bit uh, a little bit later. Uh, by the way, before the the, the lieutenant uh, brings them into the uh, hallway, there is a suggestion. We, we learn a little bit, by the way, that Jason Hardcastle uh, has had some sort of incident at his previous university. It cuts briefly back to the, the students. And Marty, of course, being an asshole, presses him for what that incident is. And he does not want to talk about it. But we do find out what it is a little bit later on. Yeah. Do you remember what it is, Mo? Uh, yeah, I believe it was red and fish-shaped. so back to this the teachers being grilled by the lieutenant we get a little bit of information here like about the amulet or the um, power power disc (laughs) power disc is what they refer to it as uh and it is mexican Mexican Um, disc. the 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 that's what i that's what i call tostadas (laughs) dragstone suggests that a student must have stolen it from the museum which is an interesting theory uh and she keeps pretending that she doesn't know things that she probably should have remembered since she was at the school in 1975 when the murder originally occurred. And yeah, and, and of seem- course, and of course, Moxie, uh, you know, has to mention that fact. You go, oh, 1975, isn't that the year you started here, Cassandra? Yeah, that's right. And in fact, Moxie, I'll tell you, what a friendly professor that guy oh, is. He's he seems a, very nice. He's just a bundle uh, of joy. He's such a, a yeah. pleasure to, to, to watch and listen to. You can tell he really cares, and I'll tell you, I... I, I glad I'm glad that we have him on our side. That's all I got to say. Yeah, no, it's it's clear that he's the the paragon of of decent thinking and and action. 
We learn here that the bodies that were found from the night before were drained of blood, Mo. My God, why would somebody do that? Well, <laughs> Professor uh, uh, Moxie grabs his chest and says, Chupacabra. <laughs> and he, he the, the lieutenant, uh, the lieutenant does not know what that is. Um, and then it's explained to him that it's a Nowat, I guess, is that's the tribe's name. The Nowat, myth. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that it's a kind, as we mentioned before, a female vampire. I believe, this leads... uh, I believe Stone Cold is the uh, chief of that. The no what? <laughs> what? What? Boy, oh, we are awful. Anyway, uh. <laughs> this is uh, this leads to this uh, uh, charming bit of conversation. So, Professor Moxie, someone's trying to make this look like a chupa. What's it? Why would anyone do that? I don't know, Lieutenant. Harold's had a terrible shock, Lieutenant. He's not thinking clearly. <laughs> A chupa, what's it? <laughs> uh, so uh, we then cut back to the students once again. Marty is very endearing in this particular sequence. He my, refers my, to one. My notes in here, hold on before you say it. My yeah, notes yeah, yeah. in here say, the students bicker and toss around some quote-unquote rough language. <laughs> <laughs> he says one student, he calls one student fat. Yep. And he calls another one a dyke. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can tell why he's such a popular person on his oh, campus. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The ladies love him. <laughs> Uh, so we cut to Dregstone and Moxie, and they have gone to see, I guess it's the dean of the school? Something no, like no, that. I think he's the head of the department, because she mentioned okay. that she doesn't want to have to go to the dean. Right, and his name is Richard, I think? His name is Richard, um, yeah. Richard. Uh, and, and basically, she had talked to Richard earlier, that's why she was teaching the class, and Moxie is saying that he's fine, and uh, Richard says, okay, well, if you're fine, I guess you can return to his class. Rick, the guy who plays Richard actually is really fun because he's so goddamn nervous. Like, <laughs> he's playing nervous. He's yeah. got, like, this, this um, uh, like, statue of a cat that he keeps playing with. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought, I thought he, considering the quality of the performances in this movie as a whole, he does a pretty good job. So Professor Moxie leaves... And uh, the other prof sticks around basically to complain and say, you know, that he's not fit to be a teacher and that she can't respect him as a scholar, mostly because he focuses on a lot of really old literature uh, instead of the kind of newer stuff. Mm-hmm. She also complains about the fact that students have sex in his office and that <laughs> she says it's time to get rid of them the or stu- rid of him. The students? No, get rid of Moxie. And he and that leads to uh, this little bit of dialogue. The students, they like him. Students, what do they know? I don't like her, Mo. I'm very suspicious of her. Do you think that she has something to do with the Chupacabra? Oh, I think she has a lot to do with the uh, Chupacabra. Chupacabra. I, would, I like if the I, uh, I like the little orchestral st- sting behind her after she says that. What do they know? Beep <laughs> The music in the film was actually done by Jeff Burton, the director mode. So you are you are now complimenting him on his musical abilities. Yeah, well, it's better than his directing abilities. I'll tell you that much. Well, that's that is more than fair enough. <laughs> so <laughs> that then cuts back to Professor Moxie, who has gone to teach his class. Uh, a student, actually, I guess they're just finishing up a class, and one of the students asks if there's any readings for the next class, 
uh, and that uh, that draws some ire from other students, as it would in any student any class I was in in university. Because if you're just about to get out and you think you can get away without any readings, it would be very uh, shitty for someone to bring up the fact that that you might have to read some. Yeah, that's like the the kid in you know in like elementary school or or you know grade school in general who would be like, "Isn't there supposed to be a test tomorrow?" Yeah, that son of a bitch. Yeah, I'd have beat the shit out of that kid. And they um, would. So he then the professor then is about to give them a reading and then suggests instead that they watch a film, which is obviously a great thing to hear. Uh, he wants them to watch the Schultz film on the Day of the Dead instead. That's when the female detective comes in. Uh, I think her name is Barbara, isn't that correct? Her name is Barbara, yep. Barbara comes in, and she says that Lieutenant Clare needs to talk to the students. I don't know why the lieutenant just didn't talk to them at the beginning of the class, since he was there anyway to talk to them. <laughs> right, right. But whatever. So the students are being are all confused about why they're being asked questions. We then cut to... I wish that they would just let these scenes play out, by the way. They keep cutting around to stuff, uh, and it doesn't really... It makes it a little difficult to get uh, invested in what's happening. So then Professor Dregstone's office, and it, we, we're inside of it. She's tapping away on a computer, and she has a student there named Irene. Uh, and I guess her that that's like her TA or something like that. Um, and and the, the student actually notices, by the way, that the disc that's, uh, that's shown in the newspaper in regards to the murder of that power disc uh, is similar to the one that the professor used to have on her desk. Very <laughs> suspicious. Yeah, and she's like, I've never, I don't know, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, she says that's nonsense. That's nonsense. <laughs> so then, as the lieutenant, I guess, is headed to the classroom to talk to the students, Professor Moxie bumps into him, and he tells him that the chupacabras must be stopped, uh, and they are said to appear on the Dia de los, Muer- the Dia de los Muertos, Mo, which is our Halloween. Mm. Uh, but the lieutenant does not believe in the chupacabra, but, uh, but he does believe the killings by someone who knows about anthropology. You know, there's two people in this movie mode that we've been introduced to that know about anthropology. Of course, there's Professor Moxie, and then there's Professor Dregstone. And I say, between the two of them, all signs point to Dregstone. Well, yeah. I mean, she's... Look, you don't put an orchestral sting behind the good guy in a film like this. Yeah, everybody, exactly. Everybody knows that if you're going to put a... Dun, dun, behind somebody... They're the bad guy. It's she, it's just filmmaking 101. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, uh, thankfully, the director has, has, has really directed us, directed, <laughs> just like he's supposed to, towards <laughs> who the villain is so we don't have to worry about it later. And I really appreciate that. It was, so, it was such good work. So back to Professor Dregstone, the evil witch. She knocks some coffee on her floor, and Irene goes down to clean it up, but she tells her not to. She tells her instead to go get Snapes, remember the janitor Snapes, to clean it up for her. So we'll get to that in just a moment. By the way, Snape seems a little creepy to be a janitor at a school, but what do I know, Mo? I don't know. Have you ever met a janitor at a school? They're, they're all kind of creepy. The lieutenant goes in to see the students, Mo, and one of the students, the fat one, <laughs> he's named Chet, and he immediately drops to his knees and puts his wrists out and says, Take me away, officer! He's being funny, you see, because he's a, a comical character. Yeah. Um, this character, I didn't catch his name previously and it's actually until way later on in the film that i realized what his name is so in my notes he's the fat one through the yeah, entire thing absolutely he is i have him down as fat student he's yeah. not that fat no. but for, for the purposes of describing uh he's the fat one <laughs> so uh the the lieutenant lets uh jason and doreen go because they have no connection to the uh, murdered uh, students 
and Jason's new. Um, and then he immediately stops Hart, uh, Jason and tells him to wait. Yeah, to wait to talk to him afterward. So then we cut to Irene, Irene the TA, who's gone into the boiler room to find Snapes. Now, yeah, what's, what's... Yeah, I was yes. going to say, now here, here's the part where we're first introduced to the uh, effect that we will become more and more familiar with as the film progresses, mm-hmm. and that is the green lights of the boiler room. The entire last 20, 25 minutes of the movie are all green light boiler room shots. So you get real, real tired of this effect later on. But it's pretty fresh right now. Uh, she heads into the boiler room looking for... See, I have them marked as snakes for some reason. <laughs> um, but she's she's looking for snakes down there. Uh, his real name's Clint. Uh, or his <laughs> first name is Clint, at least. Clint Snapes. Clint Snapes. Um, she sees something down there. Scream of the and... Michigan Snapes. Yes, of the Sorry. Michigan Snapes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> They're from northern Michigan. Thank you. Uh, By the way, yes, Mo, she does hear something. But first, she smells something. Oh. And that's going to be very important. That before oh. someone is attacked by the Chupacabra, they always smell something. Remember at the very beginning when the students are talking about... I do. Yeah, see? So the smell is very important. Uh, so so uh, then she hears something. And what yeah. happens then, Mo? She tries to uh, run off. And uh, the door that she came into is locked. Yeah. You know what? I think it's probably that uh, evil uh, uh, professor Dregstone. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to guess that she knows a little something about ancient Mexican sorcery. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, (laughs) because let's face facts, she does, of course, obviously. And I'm guessing it's her from her office doing the evil, heinous deeds. And then the camera just cuts to the door on the outside and we hear some violent kind of I don't know. I guess it's like eating noises, but it sounds almost like someone being chopped up. It just screams and someone being murdered yeah. is what we're hearing. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's Irene being killed almost certainly uh, by the Chupacabra who is in control. I think we've determined uh, by Professor Dregstone. So I guess you could say it's good night, Irene. Yes, I guess we could say that. <laughs> I was making so, a joke, you know. So the Lieutenant is, is still talking to the students um, asking them whether they had any relationship with the students who died. Uh, all the students said that the uh, male student who got killed was very bright, except for Marty, who's being an asshole and says he never thought he was very bright. And then they all talk about it, and my will to live slowly trips away while this scene is going on. <laughs> we do learn that Danny, uh, who was who was the, just the murdered student, we find out that his name was Danny, that he was a TA and that he had uh, student office time between 11 and one, 11 p.m. and 1 a.m., specifically so he could have sex with students in Professor Moxie's uh, uh, office. Which, by the way, when you're in a position of authority over students, as TAs are, having sex with them is an immoral thing to do. Yes, it is. It's a bad thing, but they play it off in this movie as if it's very comical. And you must recall, this was written by a professor. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what that's trying to say. But the implication is that he's had sex with lots and lots of women in the class, including and, and, Chet's girlfriend. And men. And men. That's right. Marty says that there's a couple of boys as well. And everyone's like, hey, shut up, because guess what? Being gay is apparently a very bad thing, Mo. It's 2003, and gay panic runs wild. Yeah. I think if a couple of dudes slipped in there, who would even know? 
Hey, you never know in the dark. It's all good. Hey, we're all the same in the dark, I think. It's true. Especially those beautiful lips. <laughs> <laughs> you know that you know that classic expression, a hole's a hole in the dark. That's right. That's yeah. right. Animal, mineral, or vegetable. Uh <laughs> So we learn here that Chet, uh, his girlfriend, had sex with uh, Danny at some point, which he is briefly upset by, but gets over very quickly because it was before they were together. And then the lieutenant makes an accusation, Mo, and this might be one of the worst line readings. (laughs) Maybe in the history of cinema. Let's have a little listen. Did one of you kill him? Did any one of you know anyone who would have wanted to kill him. I will say that that I guess it makes sense if you're a police officer looking for a suspect to ask, you know, did anyone in this room kill him? And then one person raises their hand. He's like, okay, I guess we're done here. <laughs> he should have asked Dregstone if, if she was the one that killed him. Right? Also, it seems that they're very concerned about uh, Danny being murdered, but his girlfriend gets no attention at all. Nothing at all. It's a man's world, Mo. Yep. Marty says that, or maybe it's Chet, uh, they ask if anyone who might possibly have wanted to hurt Danny, and they say that uh, probably 30 pissed off boyfriends. Oh, I get it, because he fucked a lot of girls. Because he fucked a lot of these boyfriends, girlfriends. Um, but, but And then he, then they show the, the amulet, or the, the power disc to the students, and Marty thinks that he saw it in a book, but he's being very funny, and he's like, oh, I can't remember where, but he thinks he's seen it before. Uh, and then this, uh, the lieutenant says that I'm going to have to get st- uh, statements from each of you. And one of the students goes, you mean we're suspects? And he goes, you bet your ass you are. Every line that that cop says is the worst thing ever. Like, yeah, every time he, yeah, every time he shows up, I just I like I'm like, man, if I didn't have to take notes on this, I would be fast forwarding through every one of his scenes. Like, I get it. He's trying to be funny. And I appreciate the fact that he's attempting to be funny, yeah. but it just fails every single fucking time. He's supposed to be a character that we look forward to popping up throughout the rest of the movie, but every time he did, I was just like, oh, not this fucking guy. Again. Yeah, exactly. Because you know what a comedy, if it's actually a comedy, doesn't need is a comic relief. Yeah. Because it's supposed exactly. to be a comedy already. So you throw this guy into this mix and it just makes him makes the whole thing worse. So uh, I'm just going to rush through this next part a little bit because it's so Please. dumb. The yeah. lieutenant goes out into the hall and talks to Jason. And we learn about uh, a little bit about not Jason's mysterious past yet, but actually Jason's father. Because apparently Martin Hardcastle, Jason's father, uh, used to go to this university. And at one point in 1975, where we saw Ooh. before, two people were murdered. And one of them was uh, Jason, uh, Jason's father, Martin. His girlfriend, who was stolen away from him by Jack Graham. So basically, he had a girlfriend. Uh, Jack stole the girlfriend away from him, which suggests, by the way, that women don't have free will and can't choose the relationships that they want. Um, (laughs) And uh, Jack and his girlfriend were making out out in the woods and got murdered. And, of course, the Martin uh, Hardcastle, Jason's father, was the prime suspect, but they could never link him to it. Well, yeah, because it was clearly Professor Dregstone. I think so, too. Though you got to say, Mo, it's very suspicious that Jason has now returned to, like, he has now come to the school as a student, just like his father was. And as soon as he did, another murder has occurred uh, with the same uh, uh, 
pendant or whatever, the power disc, as was in the first murder. Seems Holy. like all of the evidence is pointing towards Jason being involved. Holy shit. So maybe Dregstone is actually the Chupacabra. Okay. I think and this Jason, all is starting and, to come together. And Jason is controlling her. Uh, Jason stutters, by the way. And uh, the film, um, they mock him a little bit at the beginning. I think he gets more comfortable later on and doesn't stutter as much, which suggests people who stutter are only stuttering because they're uncomfortable, which is not the case at all. Yep. So the lieutenant says this to Jason. What I'm saying is that if you did do it, I'm not saying that you did. But if you did do it, you're sure as hell not going to get away with it the way your old man did. So the cop is basically uh, suspicious of everybody. I guess you got to be if you're a cop. Yeah, well, you know, in my new gig as a, as a security guard, which is essentially what I am, um, I actually am discovering that I need to be suspicious of everybody because I'm just, like, way too nice. You know, like, people come in, I'm like, hey, how you doing? How's it going? And then uh, and then they steal from us. So, <laughs> so I've, I'm learning that this is actually an act. This is actually very much a fact. You need to be suspicious of fucking everybody. <laughs> so then we cut to uh, Dregstone's office once again. And Snape's actually comes in uh, talking like Igor or Peter Lorre. Uh, she tells him to clean up the coffee after she leaves. He, he then says something strange. He talks about that he has a lot of cleaning to do, that it seems like he deserves a raise. And then they just cut away. What's the implication here, Mo? Um, uh, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know why that scene is in the movie. Well, the, the thing that hit me in this scene was that, you know, was that Clint shows up and then she asks, <laughs> Dregstone asks him what he wants. Yeah. And he's like, you fucking called for me. <laughs> Well, he's not like that, really. (laughs) He should have been. Yeah, he's like, well, you asked me to come up. (laughs) You know, which is kind of actually exactly how he sounds. But Yeah, exactly. Though it's weird. Did Irene, was her final words to the Chupacabra, tell Snapes that they want coffee cleaned up? (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) So so, uh, then we cut to Jason sitting on the steps outside of the school building. And uh, and a blonde girl comes out, and the blonde girl is named Jill Gallagher Mo, and she is Marty's girlfriend. Uh, and he they also have has a, a little... penchant for smashing fruit with large hammer, <laughs> and going on and going on uh, severely right wing tirades. Right. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and accusing everyone of stealing her act. <laughs> uh. Anyway, Gallagher comes out. So Jill comes out and sits next to Jason, and they have a little bonding moment. She asks him what he's thinking, what he's doing, and he goes, "I'm thinking." And then she talks about how much she loves Halloween and the smell of burning leaves and all that sort of shit. Uh, and then, um, and then Jason says that the lieutenant thinks that he's mixed up in the murder in some way. Uh, and she, Jill, says that it's twisted that the cop is accusing him, which is kind of a strange thing for, for her to say because the cop also accused her and everyone else in the room <laughs> of being involved with it as well. Right, exactly. <laughs> so um, she apologizes on Marty's behalf for being so mean, and you, as the audience, wonder why is such a nice girl like this with someone like Marty? You know? I know how he's come su- he's such a jock douche. Yeah, he's like an alpha male, and uh, Jason is such a nice guy. And I don't know why the nice guys get keep getting passed over. You know what I'm saying, Mo? 
<laughs> yeah, I know a little too well what you're saying. Aww. <laughs> so Jason reveals what happened at his old university. Mo, what happened? All right, so in a nutshell, not because his explanation of it lasts maybe a sentence, mm-hmm. um, he fell in love with a girl, she broke up with him, and he freaked the fuck out. He says he busted up his dorm room, and then he says that he cut his wrist. So the suggestion is he tried to commit suicide, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they moved him to another university, which is an interesting... It's an interesting response to the whole thing. You think maybe they'd put him in therapy first, but I guess it doesn't matter. Oh, you tried to kill yourself? Yeah, you're going to want to go to that school now. Yeah, it's it's the it's the university equivalent of when a priest gets caught being a pedophile and they just move him to a new parish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so Marty comes out and seeing his girl with Jason, he immediately gets very aggressive and he yells at her to stay the hell away from uh, Jason. And then he uh, yells at Jason. And um, well, we also hold on, hold on. What mm-hmm. he yells at Jason is kind of brilliant. Okay, I was going to get to that in a second, but please tell us. Yeah. what does he yell at Jason? <laughs> so he threatens to make Jason wear his balls for earrings. <laughs> that is what happens. <laughs> so dumb. Uh, so. We are also, as Marty comes out, he's actually with another student. And this is Vashon. And Vashon is black. And I only mention that because I believe he's the only person of color in this entire goddamn movie. Yeah. Uh, And he comes out. He's actually, I guess, leaving to go with uh, Marty. But then uh, he uh, realizes that he forgot his coat. And he goes back inside. And uh, winds up in the bathroom. And he ends up in the bathroom. But then he hears a sound and says... He says a man can't even take a shit in peace, which I'll tell you in the year 2017, Mo, very true. It's true. This bathroom, by the way, is lit in dark purple. (laughs) It's the most fucked up looking bathroom. You, You can't take a shit in peace. You can't even see your shit. It's too dark. Well, don't the lights go out? I guess they go out. Is that what he's responding to? But even so, darkness is not purple. Darkness is dark. It's like black. Uh, But no, in this case, it's kind of a weird purple. Fucking ridiculous. So then he gets scared uh, by Snapes, who I guess is just wandering around in the dark, who gives him his coat, which is a very nice thing. He says, I thought you might need this. That Snapes is a pretty good guy after all. Uh, So then uh, Vashon continues on his merry way. And he then he hears some sort of animal noise and goes, what the hell was that? <laughs> and he goes, if this is a joke, I'll bust your fucking head open. Uh, just remember, these lines were written by a university professor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He makes Vashon sound pretty much like a stereotype. It's it's pretty bad. Like his dialogue, <laughs> his dialogue in particular is, is whoo. <laughs> then he said. Then he says that sounded like a g- 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 ghost. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> he might anyway. follow. <laughs> so then we get a point of view shot, all in red, um, and it's watching him, and eventually it attacks him, and we hear his screams, and again more noises that are apparently him being eaten, and we do not see it happen again. And in fact, almost all of the violence in this movie from this point on is off screen, which is very, very irritating <laughs> yeah super annoying and like half the time you don't even get to see the results of yeah exactly you, you more know. than half the time really yeah then we cut to our uh our police officers we have the lieutenant and we have uh i guess his partner uh, barbara and they're sitting down and they're reading the school newspaper which has a front page story 
football star found dead. It's the Baxter Bugle. You think it would be in the regular newspaper? You know, students being murdered <laughs> on campus. How, but well, no. how do you know? How do you know that the Baxter Bugle's not the main newspaper? I mean, come on. Uh, that's a, it's a good point. <laughs> Maybe Baxter U is right. It could be. It's it's it could be the. By the way, it's a very poor looking newspaper. <laughs> yeah, it's like one page. <laughs> So the female cop, Barbara, she says that it's not fair. And the lieutenant says that he knows Jason did the murders. And he has no alibi. He just needs to find some proof. Because for right now, all he has is his gut instinct. Fuck this lieutenant. What an asshole. <laughs> yeah, for, for real. So Professor Dragstone, uh, back to her office. Uh, Doreen, one of the students, she comes in. And she's going to be very important, by, by the way. So let's remember her. Mm-hmm. She comes in and asks where Irene is. Uh, Professor Dragstone does not seem concerned about the fact that she sent Irene down to the uh, boiler room and never saw her again, ever. Well, I like uh, how she's like, she's like, I think she went to go visit that sister of hers. We'll see her, you know, we'll see her on Monday and she'll have some excuse. Like, yeah. What? I don't like, I don't like that Dragstone. I think she is very suspicious. I think she might be part chupacabra. And she tells Doreen, by the way, that the moment that she's been preparing for has arrived at last. Very curious, I would say. An American chupacabra at Baxter U. That's what this movie should have been called. <laughs> so back to the students, uh, all sitting around the same table. I guess this is the only class that they have, and they're all in it together all <laughs> yeah. the time. Uh, so Chet has decided that now that there's been another murder and it's a friend of theirs, that he wants to be involved in finding the killer. Um, and Professor Moxie then arrives, but he suggests that it would be um, unseemly for them to have their class after the murder of one of the students. Which is true, by the way, but something that probably could have been taken care of with an email as opposed to coming to class and telling them all to go home. Right, exactly. But they, uh, but but then you wouldn't get this great next scene where, you know, he's like, well, we need to discover the truth. And they're like, well, what's the truth, Professor? And he's like, oh, no, I couldn't possibly tell you. And they're like, <laughs> and they're like what's the truth, Professor? And he's like, okay, I'll tell you everything. So he tells them, uh, well, he basically asks them if, if they're all willing to help. And some of them are a little resistant. Uh, Marty especially is very resistant in helping at first, but then he's kind of pressured into it. Jason says that he wants to help for his own reasons, that he's not going to divulge. Um, and Moxie almost starts to cry because he's so proud of the students. <laughs> and then he goes, well, perhaps when I tell you what you're up against, you won't be so anxious to help. <laughs> um we, we briefly, by the way, before he does explain to the students what they're up against, it goes back to Dragstone for a second, who calls Snapes over to her and asks if, she, if he was listening at the door, and he says he was, and I don't know what this was in response to at all. Nope. And That's it's never very explained. confusing. Never explained. But we do know that Dragstone is obviously up to no good. So Moxie has, we, by the time we cut back, Moxie has already told them about the Chupacabra. Uh, Marty seems a little uh, suspicious about what he's learned. Especially when he discovers, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, Mo, that a chupacabra is a goat sucker. So let's hear what he has to say about that. <laughs> Mr. Runyon. And, and what's this uh, chupa whatever? Chupacabras. Uh, it means goat sucker. Goat sucker, cocksucker. <clears throat> so how is this thing supposed to have gotten here? So, so Marty, for some reason, just says cocksucker after goat sucker. Uh, and then he, he coughs into his own hand because he doesn't want to look unseemly, uh, as we mentioned before. Uh, and that he was swearing in class like that. Yeah, because appearances have always been very important to Marty previously in this movie. 
Yeah, I'll tell you, Marty doesn't seem too concerned about the fact that a friend of his was murdered the night before. Now no. I feel like he is suspicious as well, especially because just moments ago he was made a TA after the murder of Ashan. Maybe he was involved to get this TA position. My God. Anyway, Professor Moxie says that the uh, Chupacabra has been summoned, but he doesn't know who has done it, but he has his suspicions. Then Chet says that he suspects that it's Dregstone who has done it. And then we we learn, by the way, that Professor Moxie has, uh, like, magical powers. Yeah, I like that he talks about how he has modest skills in sorcery. So, <laughs> which, of course, leads Chet to say, you ever partake in peyote, doctor? And he goes, in my time I did. Not in many years, though, which very much impresses Chet. <laughs> so they all decide that they're going to come to the school at 11 o'clock that night. And I guess come up with a plan. It's not really determined like what they're going to do once they're together. But they're going to get together at 11 that night. Marty, he's hesitant because there's a big party that night. It's the annual Halloween party. And he doesn't want to miss it. So uh, that will become something important a little later on, Mo. Is important really the right word? No, it's not. It is not the right <laughs> word. <laughs> So we see Doreen and Professor Dragstone, and they're dressing in some robes, uh, and they're putting on, like, armlets. She's, like, helping Doreen put on an armlet on her arm. Well, there's also a really, really quick moment right before this happens Mm -hmm. where where it just cuts to Clint, who are Snapes, whatever you want to call them. Let's call them Snapes. Let's call them Snapes, because Clint is just really ridiculous. Uh, And he, like, falls to his knees, puts his hands up in the air, and just says, and, like, proclaims, Tonight she triumphs! The reason I didn't mention it is because it's so fucking idiotic. It's I was so trying. Stupid. But it's like it's so unnecessary. It's so ridiculous. Oh, okay. Back, <laughs> so, back to what we were saying. <laughs> so uh Doreen is is asking the professor, he's like, What if someone sees us? And she goes, If someone sees him, we'll just say that we're going to a Halloween party, which is actually a pretty good cover for their dumb robes. Then it cuts to Lieutenant Klinger, who's waiting by his phone. It rings, he picks it up and then he goes, No. I don't want any. And then he hangs it up again. And that's funny, Mo, because it's like he's expecting an important call, but instead it's some sort of uh, someone trying to sell him something. Lovely. Then it rings again. Uh, And then he says, okay, wait there. I'm sending Barbara right over. So basically, I guess they have someone looking out, uh, following Jason. He's arrived uh, at the school, I guess, and now he's going to send over Barbara to keep an eye on him. Basically, I guess to, to keep him from murdering someone else. Yeah, I mean, that's not going to backfire at all, though. Well, I don't know. We'll see. Barbara seems pretty competent. She's super competent. So, Chet and his girlfriend. Uh, who is his girlfriend? Do we know what her name is? Um, I don't know if we've established her name yet, but it, but her name's Alice. Anyway, Alice. Who the fuck is Alice? So, Chet and Alice are walking. Uh, they're walking towards the school. It's 11 o'clock that night. And he basically talks about wanting to fuck her, like, again and again and again. <laughs> And he, she calls him an animal, so he goes on all fours and howls at the moon like an animal because Chet is a bit of a joker himself, you see. Oh. So they hear a sound, and they don't know what it is, but they notice that it's coming from the sacred grove, which apparently is very nearby the university. <laughs> and Chet wants to go over and check it out, but uh, his girlfriend uh, convinces him that maybe they should find out what Professor Moxie has to say first. Which seems pretty reasonable under the circumstances. Well, you know why they call it Sacred Grove, right? Why? It's because 
where because many a virgin has been sacrificed there. Baboomo, that's very good. <laughs> hey, that ain't my joke. They said it in the movie. Oh, did they? Yeah. Boo to you, Mo. What an it's awful one of, joke. It's one of the only funny. No, I no, I take that back. Not funny. It's one. Nah, fuck it. It's terrible. <laughs> but well, that I, is, but that is what they say in the movie. So Jill is has already arrived at the steps, and she's wondering where Marty is. Uh, and she wears she she hears a very strange howling sound and goes, "What the hell is that?" But we'll get to some great Jill acting in just a moment. <laughs> <laughs> we see Barbara, and she's following Jason around on campus, and she pulls out a gun as she's following him around, which I do not think is uh, something a police officer would normally do. Yeah, that's not standing out standard operating procedure there. Trigger discipline, very important. Yeah. Uh, so we then cut to Moxie, who uh, has locked himself out of his car, the doddering old fool. I will say him locking himself out of his car, oh, I, that is apparently what's happening here. Um, when the rest of the movie plays out, that makes really little sense. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, almost everything he does makes no fucking sense once you get to the end of the movie. Yeah, I don't know what we're implying here, but certainly when you get to the end of the movie, it will all make sense. <laughs> <laughs> so it goes back to... Th- yeah, I was going to say, after this, there's a great scene where it cuts back to Jill, and she's sort of just yelling into the air about how, yeah. pissed, off, how pissed off she is at Marty, and she sort of shouts out, I'm going to murder him, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you, pr- like, girl... Like, multiple murders have just happened on this campus. You should probably not be shouting, I'm going to murder you. It's also, if this if it's, if that's the movie trying to make her a red herring, uh, murderers that are, like, responsible for most of the action in the movie don't just sit on steps waiting for stuff to happen. Right, exactly. <laughs> They're involved with it. So then, Mo, it cuts to the party that's going on. Yeah, I know, this is your, I know this has got to be your favorite scene in the entire movie. Why is that, Mo? Well, you know. Because of the music. There's some wonderful music. We just have a little clip of it here, but the music in this fucking sequence. This is what students would be listening to at a party in 2003. Right. Let's check it out. <laughs> And it goes that's, on like that. <laughs> that's like that's like that's like an eight bar loop that somebody's set up in like Fruity Loops. <laughs> when you say somebody, of course, you mean Jeff Burton, the I director, do, do responsible for the music. Yep. Can you and imagine? Course, yeah, go ahead. Like, can you just imagine this party where it's like a twelve hour loop of this fucking music? Yeah, and so there's people dressed up. Uh, there's um, a guy dressed as Hannibal Lecter at the party. And there's someone, Mo, dressed as a clown. Who is this person? Oh, that would be Martin. Martin. A.K.A. Uh, Marty. Marty. Yeah, Marty is dressed as a clown at the party. He recognizes uh, that it's uh, getting late and that it's near 11. And he's actually supposed to meet Jill at the steps at quarter to 11, the asshole. And, uh, he, and, is, and he is drunk as fuck. He is shit-faced, as the, as the kids say. He is, sometimes. He is as, as the children say, three sheets to the wind. Yes, and the hair of the dog that bit. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> <anyway>. <laughs> little hair of the chupacabra. <laughs> so uh, it then, as he leaves, by the way, as he leaves, someone runs by him and vomits, which is pretty terrific. Um, and then it cuts back to Jill, still sitting on the steps by herself. And you, you want to get a little sense of the quality of the acting in the movie. <laughs> Jill hears the sound and 
What the hell is that? This is not my imagination. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> I just imagine the director. It's like, okay, look around as if you heard something. This is not your imagination. No, no, don't say that. <laughs> That's going on in your brain. <laughs> this is not my imagination. That, you know, that's like that's like dialogue that that was written by like an AI computer. You know, what what the hell is that? This is not my imagination. In fact, it's written by a professor at a university. Right? <laughs> nope. So uh, she goes off. She's just about to investigate it, and then she runs into Jason, who has now arrived. Uh, and he, they actually both wonder where all the others are. And he says that you know it's only five after eleven. It's it's not weird that no one else is there yet because they're students. They're all going to be a little bit late. Um, but Marty had promised that he was going to arrive a quarter to eleven, which is why she is so concerned. Then right. Chet, now, and... now she, now now mm-hmm. Jill is saved by Jason in a way because she's about to walk around the corner right into Snape's. Yeah, you know, that's right. He, now, we... but he yells out to her and tells her to stop. Now, here is another line that I almost kind of wish you had grabbed the audio for. Sure. It's fine that you didn't. Because Thank this you. is just another another <laughs> example of her pure shitty acting. Jason says to her, I hear somebody. And she says, two somebodies. Oh, right, because then Chet and... And uh, it's, it's just the fucking worst. Yeah, that's a shitty line. So Chet and, and Alice show up. Uh, and they tell them that they'd heard the sound at the Sacred Grove. Uh, Jill thinks that they should go check it out now. Uh, while Jason thinks that they should wait for the professor and Marty before going over, which is a really smart thing to suggest because otherwise they'll be gone when those other two arrive and they won't know that they have left. Right. <laughs> uh, so then uh, it does cut to Marty, who is still heading towards them. I guess this is a very large campus. Uh, he's still wandering over to them dressed like a clown. Then he says, I got to pee. He wanders into the woods and we hear the sound of peeing. Yeah, he's at that state of drunkenness where you announce everything you need that you have to do or think or whatever. Very convenient for the sake of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we cut to Professor Moxie, who, thanks to the miracle of poor man's process, is driving. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he's, I guess he's managed to get into his car and now he's headed in their direction. Uh, we cut back to Marty, still peeing. He is uh, scared briefly by an owl. Then he continues to pee, and then it's probably the only funny joke in the entire movie, at least to me. We hear him start to scream, and then instead of it being the Chupacabra attacking him, he goes, fucking zipper. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have to admit, I did. I definitely chuckled at that joke. That's the closest thing to a real joke in the entire movie. We see Barbara. She's still sneaking around the campus with her gun drawn, uh, and Snape's is sneaking up behind her. Now, at this point, Mo, we don't really know that Snape's is a bad guy. We suspect it, but it seems like the movie is supposed to, uh, is suggesting to us that we're supposed to know this is a bad guy. Right. He's a bad guy. And in fact, we know for sure he's a bad guy because seconds later, he he takes a tomahawk and jams it into Barbara's skull. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. So this is another piece of visual uh, violence in the movie. Uh, we do see Snape's pull the axe from her head, so there's no question that Snape's is a murderer at this point. Yeah. Yeah, so Snape's is a bad guy. That has been confirmed. Him, and in my mind, certainly, a Dragstone is certainly the other 
person we have to watch out for. Well, yeah, because clearly he's her toady. Yes. I mean, we saw them together. They yeah. were talking earlier. Why else would the movie have them together unless we're supposed to think they're together? Exactly. So the students are still waiting for Moxie. He does arrive. He was worried that something might have happened to them. Uh, maybe he should have left a little earlier if that was a concern of his. I like how when he shows up, he's just panting. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> the um, the lieutenant uh, got a call. As, so Barbara basically called him, was calling him when she got murdered. He right. hears on the phone basically her being murdered and immediately rushes over. We see him get into his car and drive, and uh, he has a gun in his glove compartment, which that doesn't seem very safe. No. No. What kind of cop has – like, shouldn't he have a gun, like, on a holster? Uh, a sidearm, as they say. Right. But, uh, well, most cops cop. have, like, shoulder holsters, so I don't know why mm-hmm. he one in his glove compartment, but whatever. So the students tell Professor Moxie about the Sacred Grove and the stuff they heard, so they decide to head over there. Now, at this point in the movie, I have in my notes, this feels like we're headed to the end of the movie, but there's still 30 minutes left. Yeah. <laughs> we got to pick up the pace, just like the movie has to. Mm-hmm. So the lieutenant arrives, finds Barbara's phone and some blood on it, but believes immediately that Jason is the one responsible because she was supposed to be tailing Jason. Uh, Marty, still walking towards the group, has not arrived yet. The students do head to the Sacred Grove. Uh, they see Dregstone and Doreen, and they're doing some sort of ritual. There is uh, actually another kind of funny moment that happens with Marty here, though. Right? Like, he's stumbling around at this point still, and he just sort of stops and looks up at a streetlight and screams, Fuck you! (laughs) (laughs) I'll be honest, Marty is most endearing when he's by himself in this movie, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His next line that that we have some audio for is really probably my favorite line in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) So the students uh, see that this, uh, see Dregstone and Doreen doing some sort of chanting in the Sacred Grove. The students attack them. It's really hard to tell what the fuck is going on here. It's very dark. We see Professor Moxie and he's chanting something while they're doing this. And suddenly it looks like Professor Dregstone just vanishes. Is that what happens? Yeah, that's exactly what happens. But Doreen does not vanish. So the students manage to capture her. Uh, and they try to get her to say to talk. And she says that Professor Moxie is an enemy. So then we cut to Marty, who is uh, sitting on the steps by himself, uh, and she does yell out, Jill, you better not be with that knob. Uh, <laughs> then he immediately vomits. <laughs> and then he falls asleep. <laughs> the whole movie should have just been Marty being drunk, wandering around. So we see the lieutenant then comically walking through the woods. Uh, he says it's time for some backup, though I am suspicious of the idea that they even have enough money for another cast member to join him. He tries to call someone, uh, but then has trouble with batteries or something. Mm. <laughs> Everything all right over there, Mo? I was taking a drink. I... <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh-huh. So uh, when they were attacking uh, Doreen and uh, the professor in the Sacred Grove, we, we saw a brief shot of Snapes and Chet having a little skirmish. And then Snapes runs off and uh, Jason was running after him. So now Jason continues to run after Snapes, which is very strange because Snapes walks with a limp and Jason is a young man, but somehow he cannot catch up to him. Well, we we learn real soon that Snapes is not all that he seems. Cause he is not all that he seems. It's very he, true, Mo. He definitely does some real wild shit. Well, someone who is all that he seems is Marty, <laughs> who is now laying on his back. Looking into the sky, and he says this, which, again, might be my favorite line in the whole movie. 
Yeah, the moon sure is close tonight. Oh, yeah, fucking cheese. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we do get a quick shot of someone watching Marty from a POV shot. Uh, very likely the Chupacabra. He thinks it's Jill. He says, hey, who farted? Again, the smell aspect. Uh, and uh, then he goes, ouch. And then he screams and then he's probably dead. Yep. He's dead, actually. Oh, no, he's definitely Dragstone. We see Dragstone going into one of the buildings, uh, goes up a flight of stairs, and she goes, not this time, Harold Moxie. Poor, she's evil, Mo. I got a bad feeling about her. I'm telling you, she's the worst. She's the villain. I think she's yeah. controlling the chupacabra. All that fucking cheese. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jason continues to chase after Snapes. Snapes does what you were just referring to, Mo. What does he do? He basically, cli- like, Spider-Man's up a wall. Yeah, he's Spider-Man. That- I said, Snapes climbs up a wall like Spider-Man. It looks stupid. <laughs> oh, it looks fucking stupid as shit. Yeah. But he- apparently he does have the ability to, to climb walls. Uh, <laughs> Jason tries to climb up, like, a post on the side of the building after him. But then the lieutenant arrives, and he tells him to get down. And instead of, like, like going over to him... By the way, Jason has no possible way that he's going to climb up the, to the, to, to the, up the building in the... In the um, pole or whatever that he's hanging off of where he is right now the lieutenant shoots his gun at him yeah uh and then jason falls and this becomes another running joke where the lieutenant just shoots at things this accidentally is, all the this time this is without a doubt my least favorite running gag in the film yes you know like it just gets real fucking old you know and uh, like well we'll get to it but like he does this almost every single time he's on screen from now until the end of the movie so the lieutenant accuses Jason of murdering Barbara, and his response is, who? Because remember, he doesn't know who Barbara is. Right. And, and lieutenant goes, you know who. That's when uh, Professor Moxie arrives and says, lieutenant. And the lieutenant's response to this is to turn around and immediately fire, and he shoots uh, Alice, Alice, Yeah. I guess in the shoulder. Um, and she doesn't actually seem too bothered by the fact that she's just been shot. He goes, take her to my squad car now. Um, and, and she goes, like, Chet asks her, are you all right? And she goes, no, I'm okay. But she's bleeding from the mouth at the time that she says that, <laughs> which suggests that she is not okay at all. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. But she bleeds so, out. So they go to the squad car. Jason goes back to running after Snapes. Um, Mox, uh, Professor Moxie, he's going after Dregstone, and he says that he feels his power returning. Uh, Chet's girlfriend, bum, Alice... Bum, bum. She's in the squad car. Uh, he Chet is going to go with her, but she says, no, go back and help the others. She's okay. And I'll tell you, later on, once you find out what occurs, that doesn't this make any sense. another scene that makes no fucking sense. Exactly. <laughs> Did he know that she... Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> so Jason and Jill uh, have now uh, are now together. They climb to the top of the building. She slips a bit and he catches her. And they have a weird moment where they stare into each other's eyes. And then they start making out. Yeah. Now, remember my, that there's someone who's trying to kill them that is, like, nearby. <laughs> yeah, my, my notes here say, Jason and Jill get cozy, dot, 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 during a chase. Yeah, during dot, a chase. Dot, dot. They, they actually chase. show Snapes, who's just hiding behind a wall watching them, and they continue just to make out on the roof. And, yeah, and they get interrupted by Chet, and then go back to it again. Yeah, they go back to making out again. Chet uh, Chet sees them on the roof. That's right. And interrupts them. Uh, and he says that he's going to poke around at ground level. Uh, so the, yeah. So they just go back to making out. 
So Chet is wandering around and he hears some weird voices. Um, and he goes, if I was a chupa cannabis, I think I'd hide out here. He finds like a hidden door somewhere on campus. Right. That doesn't really make a lot of sense either when you think about it. <laughs> nope. So Jason and Jill are kissing again on the roof. Uh, I started to think about what, like, does she care that Marty was just murdered? Maybe she doesn't. Chet smells something bad in the area that he's checking out. Uh, he yells up to Jason and Jill that he found that secret door with that which has stairs going down. When Snape's hears that he found this door, he suddenly runs out from behind the wall and starts running downstairs after I guess Chet, which then sends Jason and Jill after him. So they all head to ground level. Like Snape's is going, oh, he mustn't, he mustn't. Right, exactly. Which actually does make sense, I guess, in the grand scheme. Um, we see Professor uh, Moxie in a room. He opens a box using what is apparently magic. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, now we'll see Cassandra. And he takes something out of the box, and I think it's supposed to be the power disc. That makes me uh, suspicious. Now what? Sorry? I said, now what? Oh, now what? I see what you're saying. I see. You are intentionally confusing me. <laughs> uh, make, making jokes here. Making jokes, folks. Jason and Jill, uh, as they run downstairs, they run into Professor Moxie. They wonder where Snape's went. Uh, the, the professor says he did not see them. Sorry, did not see uh, Snape's. Uh, but uh, Professor Moxie thinks that Snape's is under the Dragstone's control. Uh, they hear some voices, so they go check out the steps that Chet found. And Moxie says that he has the magic disc and he's going to, uh, yeah, I guess he's going to confront Dragstone. And we see him go into the boiler room, the bright green boiler room, chanting something. And I will say in my notes here, Mo, I say, I guarantee fucking tea that Moxie is the bad guy in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, it was wait, so hold obvious. On, hold on. How could he possibly be the bad guy? He's been nothing but the highest of moral character he's been helping the students this whole time oh my god like it was at this point in the movie like i i suspected it the whole time but when this scene happened i was like are you fucking kidding me (laughs) when you did the reveal nobody is going to be surprised yeah but there is something surprising coming up so chet is somewhere in the boiler room he went down the stairs uh he's gotten lost uh though i don't know why it shows him being lost because of things that we learn later Mm-hmm. Um, Jason and Jill, they find the secret door without any trouble and they go into the boiler room. Uh, actually before they do that, the Lieutenant arrives and tries to arrest Jason again. And Jason says, arrest me later after he finds out what's going on. And then the Lieutenant says this. All right then. But if you try to make a break for it, and I'm not saying you will, if you will, I won't hesitate to put up bullet in your back yeah it's comedy this is what we're experiencing here most some uh, some comedy yeah so and they go in and i won't say you will <laughs> there's a suggestion i think that they find marty's body before they come in do you know what i'm talking about here yeah 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 there's i know they definitely find marty's body because it's i mean it's so poorly lit that it's hard yeah. to tell it's hard to it's tell. like the clown wig is there right? yeah but you see the clown wig and when they find it, the lieutenant shoots his gun off because he's a moron. <sighs> yeah. So before they go into the, the, the doorway, Jason suggests that Jill stay outside, which seems like it's way more dangerous than just going with him. But, uh, but anyway, she says she'll be all right. And they all go down 
together. And this is the point, Mo, where you were saying that the final 20 minutes of the movie are all in this boiler room with bright green image. And that is what's going to be happening from here on in. Yeah. And it's very unpleasant to look at. Yeah. I uh, Basically, from this point until, let's say, close to the next uh, audio clip that we have, I really only have one note. Yeah, and there's that, not much to it. Yeah, and it. And my note says everyone is green and running, comma sneaking or chanting, and that's like really all that happens. So Chet is lost, right? Snape's uh, he's running around. Uh, we see Doreen and Dregstone. They're doing some sort of spell, right. and Professor Moxie is chanting while wandering around. Then Jason, Jill, and the Lieutenant are also wandering around. Right. We uh, <laughs> there, there is a moment in here where Snape's finds some like body parts and screams no. Yeah, I don't know what that's supposed to be about. I don't know what that's supposed to be about because it's never explained. But it doesn't uh, matter because like five seconds later, the detective shoots Snape's, any, Snape's anyway. So there is a point of view shot in red. So we know that it's supposed to be the Chupacabra. And yeah. it's heading towards Doreen and Professor Dregstone. When Doreen sees it, she runs off at the sight of it while Dregstone continues chanting. Um... And so I guess Doreen gets killed immediately by the thing. Is that right? No, she runs off to Moxie. That's right. She runs off to Moxie. That's right. We don't, we don't know immediately what happens to her. That's right. right. So Jason, Jill and Lieutenant, they hear some screams and they start running towards it. Uh, Chet still is wandering around lost. The three uh, almost run being the Lieutenant Jason and Jill, they almost run directly into Chet. And when they do, the lieutenant fires off another gunshot like an idiot. Uh, they Jason thinks that the chanting is coming from a specific direction. So they all run off towards it. Snape's <laughs> is uh, heading over towards, I guess, M- Moxie's body. Like, it, is that who he thinks it is? No, no, no. Uh, Snape's. Um, what the fuck is Snape's doing here? He's hovering over like somebody. I don't remember. Body. Like he, he, yeah, he does something, and like he's and he gets and he startles the detective, and the detective shoots him. Yeah, the detective shoots him in the head. So Luke, yeah, the, shoots him right in the fucking head. But then, but but then, what happens is is uh, Jason, Jill, and the detective find Chet over Moxie's body, and he and Moxie's telling him that that or I'm sorry, Chet's telling him that Moxie's dead. Right, that's right. And we yeah. find out that, I guess his final words is that are that uh, Dregstone has to be stopped. Right. Um, so Jill, yeah, so the, so the lieutenant um, then uh, shoots. He, he goes off, to, I guess he goes off to, to find the creature or whatever. Uh, right. He shoots at the POV shot, all in red, coming towards him. It chases after him. It apparently kills him. And somehow he manages to throw his gun over to where Chet, Jason, and Jill are. Right. So J- so Jason gets so Jason gets the gun. Yes, yeah, so and now Jason has a gun. They're heading towards Dregstone. Uh who this spell that she's doing must be fucking a very long spell. <laughs> she's still chanting. Uh they arrive at her while she uh, they arrive in front of her while she's doing the spell and uh Chet says, "Shoot the bitch." And uh that then this happens. Nice shooting, bro. <laughs> so, this leads into the end of the movie, Mo. <laughs> <laughs> There's a brief moment of confusion where uh, we we notice that Dregstone yelled out Chet's name after she was shot. Uh, 
And Chess says it's because she must have thought that it was him that shot her. But sure. that's not the case at all, Mo. The reason she yelled out Chet's name is that Chet is a bad guy. Mm-hmm. And in fact, Moxie, Professor Moxie shows up, and he is now shirtless, which I don't know why. Yeah, and there's um, some really weird moments between Chet and Moxie here. It's disturbing. Yeah, so Chet immediately starts caressing Professor Moxie's stomach. And we learn that Chet has been working with him the whole time, for the whole movie. Uh, because they couldn't work directly against Dregstone, so they basically uh, got the students to do their dirty work for them. And now that Snape's, Snape's is gone, who was also, uh, Snape's was uh, working for Moxie as well, now that he's dead, Chet is going to take over basically his role as his helper. His, uh, right. Yeah. So um, so once a year, apparently, the Chupacabra needs to be fed, and this year, she's been extraordinarily hungry. Now, here's and, the thing. Here's mm-hmm. the thing, though. Okay, he says every year the Chupacabra needs to be fed. But yet the last time they noticed murders happening in this college was in 1975. You think he would have said every 30 years it needs to be fed. Right. But he doesn't. He says every year for some fucking reason. Remember, he wrote the fucking thing, so. Yeah. So then when he says that it's been really hungry this year, we get the POV shot heading towards Jill and Jason. Uh, They scream, and then the movie ends. The end. Yeah, I only have three notes between the last audio clip and the end of the movie. And those are, um, so there's the nice shooting bro. And then it's, uh, it was Moxie and Chad, or in Chet, Ugg. Uh, <laughs> the Chupacabra kills Jason and Jill. And then fuck this movie. Yeah, so it does not have the most satisfying ending. Uh, the Ooh. credits roll. Uh we learned that, of course, Michigan State University was involved in the making of this movie. Um, and instead of a cinematographer, they have a director of light, which explains all the crazy lighting that goes on in this movie, Mo. Uh, uh-huh. And it ends with, thanks to everyone who helped and supported the making of this movie. That's terror at Baxter U, Mo. I yeah. would say it's uh, not that great. It's not horribly made, right? I mean, it's not incompetently made. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's it's not necessarily poorly made. I mean, it's poorly acted, without a doubt. Yes, right. Um, and, and it's poorly lit, and it's fairly poorly directed. But as a whole, it's not so bad that I find it, like, insulting, you know, <laughs> or offensive. Yeah, there's, like, uh, a, there's a thousand poor shot-on-video or shot-on-digital-video horror movies that are just at this level, right? right and there are, exactly. There's many exactly. worse, and there's many better... But, you know, this is just really, this is just a middling movie. And it's hard to get, it's hard even to get very angry at it because it's 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 kind of modest in its intentions and its ambitions. But that said, you just know that, I don't know if it's Bill Vincent or Jeff Burton, but someone thought that their twist at the end was fucking brilliant. And they did such a bad job of hiding that it was coming that they basically sabotaged their own movie. Yeah. It's not very good is what I'm trying to say. Correct. Thankfully, Mo. We never have to watch Terror at Baxter U again. I should Good. mention, by the way, uh, for those who did not listen to our previous episode, that if you want to watch Terror at Baxter U, you can watch it on YouTube right now. It's actually available uh, freely and legally on YouTube. Just do a search for Terror at Baxter U. So at least you can experience what we have experienced. Um, and thankfully, Mo, we know that we don't have to experience the the 
middling, uh, uh, boring nature of Tara Baxter U on our next episode, because, of course, we're going to be watching something we've already announced. Yay! <laughs> yay! We say yay now. On the next episode of No Budget Nightmares, we're going to be watching 2005's Tartarus. <laughs> or Tartarus. Or Tartarus. Tartarus. Directed by Dave Waskovich or Waskovich or... Waskovich. Yeah, whatever. So, uh, as uh, listeners of the show might recall in our most recent episode, we were going to be watching this actually uh, for our Big Meat Meat Eater episode instead of that movie. But um, I had to order a copy of it from Dave, uh, who who got it to me very quickly. And, of course, that led to us uh, communicating back and forth. So he will be appearing, hopefully, fingers crossed, on our 100th episode to talk about his entire career and for us to be informed about his entire career we're gonna have to watch tartarus for the next episode of no budget nightmares from the year 2005 mo i should also mention mo that um that dave sent along free of charge his latest film uh so we uh we can uh, check that out before our interview yeah so that's that's pretty cool well we really are we might be the foremost experts on the uh, directorial work of Dave Wascovich, despite not really knowing how his name is pronounced. <laughs> yeah, we've watched. I mean, we've watched a bunch of his movies, and we plan on watching more. I mean, and we, you know, and let's put it this way: with the exception of *Malevolent Ascent*, you know, we've enjoyed most of them. So, I mean, you know, I hesitate to mention that *Malevolent Ascent* is the most recent of his movies that we've. <laughs> That we've watched up to this point. Yeah, that's the... Okay, yeah, let's not mention that part. <laughs> but whatever, Mo. On the next episode, Tartarus on the No Budget Nightmares podcast. Mo, where can I, people I, check I, out... I, yeah, I, I almost kind of wonder if it's going to be like a situation where we interviewed Todd Sheets. And like, like he just goes off on how much he hates the movie we just covered. <laughs> What are you gonna do? No, I, you know it's. No, I, I don't think I don't think he will. I just thought you know, just reminded me of that. I will say I don't know what Tartarus is about, but I will say that the IMDb uh, profile for it, which only lists like three cast members, wow, uh, it does. It it's Juan Fernandez, David Weldon, and Dave Wascovich, who plays three different roles in the movie. That makes me very <laughs> curious, That's especially awesome. because it then lists that the movie was produced by Dave Wascovich. Music by Dave Wascovich, cinematography by Dave Wascovich, and film editing by Dave Wascovich. So, uh, and he wrote it. I love it. This I is this is going to be peak, most potent of the Wascovich movies that we've watched. So we'll uh, we'll be experiencing that on the next episode of No Budget Nightmares. Mo, where can people find out about this podcast? Well, if they want to go on to Facebook, which is probably the easiest way, they can go on to Facebook, do a search for No Budget Nightmares, or go directly to www.facebook.com slash groups slash No Budget Nightmares, one word. You can also go over to dorkshelf.com to find the latest episode of No Budget Nightmares. It has all of our links in those episodes as well. You can go over to nobudgetpodcast.com where you can find our entire archive. You can uh, subscribe via iTunes or from uh, our RSS feed. And you can also go over to our Patreon if you want to support the show. You can donate as little as $1 per episode. And usually we release about two episodes per month. You can help support the show, support the hosting, and get more episodes out into the world you can also find both mo and myself and the show on twitter right now the show is at no budget podcast on twitter mo is at drunk on vhs all one word and i am at doug underscore tilly that's t-i-l-l-e-y uh what else do you have going on mo um you know the okay so a while (laughs) a while back uh i used to do that um 
that video, that YouTube show, uh, Strange Vapes. Mm-hmm. And I and I gave it a break for a while so that I, you know, because there was all this stuff going on with the FDA and, and I was waiting to see what happened with it. And they actually just did an, an announcement that they pushed back the regulatory dates back to 2023 or something like that, 2022. So it basically gave us, you know, like several more years to you know, to, to build our case and, to, and, to, uh, and, and to plead the courts to stop treating us the same as, as tobacco products. Cause it's not. So I actually might start doing those again. If I can find a reasonable place to record. Sounds to me, um, Mo, like someone is making America great again. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm sure it had plenty to do with, <laughs> with Cheeto Hitler. Um, uh, you know the the dictator uh, or the well, the Dorito dictator. That's what I. Think. <laughs> um, That'll seem very smooth when I edit it together. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah. So so I'm I'm thinking about about starting that back up again. I need a new camera battery before I do that. Um, and I've been uh, debating about doing more uh, episodes of uh, not very good as well because. It's like it's really hard to record where I am right now because mm-hmm. like I'm really close to an airport. So it's just airplane noises constantly during the day. And my neighbors are super loud. So it's constant like music and like people yelling at night. Right. And I live with like five other people. So like it's just noise all the time. So that that one's super tough to do. But I might be able to do uh to do strange vapes again so maybe i'll start doing that one again but that's really that's it that's all i've really been doing Mo, i got a couple find... of, i got a couple of guest appearances coming up too but um nothing's been recorded yet so i don't you know i don't want to announce it on the off chance that um that if they one of one or both of them doesn't happen so i'll post right. those in the group as they go up Always check out the Facebook group to find out the latest No Budget Nightmares news and other appearances. Uh, speaking of other appearances, I have another podcast called Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man at ericrobertsistheman.com. On our most recent episode, we did an interview with the director Jack Perez, the director of Some Guy Who Kills People and La Cucaracha. Um, a very good director. He also directed, a for fans of this show, a uh, shot on video piece called America's Deadliest Home Video with Danny Bonaducci. Uh, oh, I've which seen that. Really, yeah, it's really kind of the precursor. <laughs> Of, of a lot of those. It's very kind of Man Bites Dog-ish, if you've seen yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, movie. yeah, 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 yeah. But actually, it was made before Man Bites Dog. It's about a, a person using their home video camera and filming a, um, a a group of criminals as they go on a crime spree. Very, very interesting movie. I actually really dug it when I watched it uh, last week before interviewing him. Mo, have you seen any interesting movies lately? Um... <laughs> a really good question not to take you by surprise or anything yeah i know you ask me every week and every week i forget to pull up my my movie list uh i mean i have a couple of movies that i plan on watching really soon because i have to Uh, i'm gonna be watching i'm gonna be watching shock treatment oh um and to go along with shock treatment i'm gonna be watching grease 2 because that makes sense (laughs) Uh, <laughs> then I'm going to be watching, uh, Warlock. Oh yeah. Warlock's a fun one. Yeah. I think they just released a collection of the Warlock films. That's great. Like I, like that first Warlock film, I'm a huge fan. Yeah, it's I, a lot of fun. I love that movie. Uh, and then I'm going to watch Constantine, which I've actually never seen before. So that'll be interesting. I'll tell you, if you're a fan of Hellblazer, 
and you expect it to be like that, then you're going to be disappointed like I was when I first saw it. But if you can uh, release that from your mind, then you can really enjoy it because there's, there's a lot of really cool special stuff in that. It's got a great cast, too. Oh, well, maybe I'll enjoy it since I've never read a Hellblazer episode, uh, issue ever. So, Well, maybe you will like it. Yeah. And so after I watch that, maybe I'll go back then and r- read some Hellblazer so that I can feel disappointed later. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, and and the one I'm most excited to watch, although I'm super excited to watch Shock Treatment again because it's it's such a great movie. Uh, but the one I'm most excited to watch is and tell me if you've heard of this. It's it's such a great movie. I'm gonna watch The Dark Power. Dark is that which one is that? Okay, The Dark Power is a ridiculous. Uh, low budget, like super low budget, like almost like almost low budget enough that we might be able to do it on this show. Uh, film about a house that's built on an ancient Indian burial ground, and they and people move into the house, and these like Native American like evil spirits come. Oh, I know this movie. Yeah, right, you know the it. Yeah, yeah, Rift Tracks did it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now I'm not watching the Rift Tracks version. I'm no. just watch. I'm watching the straight version, which I own on VHS. Um, it is one of my favorite bad movies of all time. It's so great. Like the main character is a real life sheriff named Lash Larue. Oh yeah, Lash Larue. <laughs> it's great. It's so great. And like all of the bad guys wear these giant foam helmets, a la like foam like headpieces a la uh terror tunes as much as i hate to say it <laughs> oh it's just the greatest I, oh, I i love it i fucking love it well mo i've watched a couple of screeners for the fantasia film festival which is just finishing up as we're recording this and i just want to throw out some love for two of them one is a japanese stop motion uh movie called junkhead and if you do a search on youtube right now you can see the first 30 minutes of it because this was uh, an effort made by a Japanese animator. He was making it on evenings and weekends over a period of four years by himself. Wow. wow. So then when, when this came out in, uh, I guess it was 2013, people went over the moon. They're like, holy shit, this thing is incredible. And then he did uh, like an Indiegogo campaign to get uh, funding for the rest of the movie. And now he spent the four years since then making the rest of the movie, except like another 90 minutes of it. So there's a two-hour completely made by one person stop motion movie and it's like a mix of Jens Svankmeyer meets the old tool videos meets uh Tim Burton meets Terry Gilliam it is crazy it really is amazing and it's such an accomplishment so if you get a chance to check that out at the very least check out the um the first 30 minutes over on uh YouTube right now and the well, other no, one I, I, want I absolutely to- will because I'm a huge Svankmeyer fan so and the other movie I want to point out is one of the most amazing, impressive movies I've seen this year. And it's called Low Life, uh, directed by Ryan Prowse. And it is – people are going to compare it to Tarantino no matter what. So I don't want I didn't, I don't want to like focus too much on it because there's like kind of branching stories that all mix together. And it involves um, a, a woman who runs a hotel and this kind of flamboyant criminal. But there's also a luchador – um, who is the son of like a famous Mexican wrestler who was trying to to keep the honor of that position and trying to find a, a, an heir to it. There's a criminal with a big swastika on his face uh, who gets out of prison and then is integrated into the story. It is the craziest, pulpiest, most amazing low-budget movie I've seen in recent memory. It's so entertaining. It's so good. And if you and it actually uh, tore down the house at the when it had the screening at Fantasia. 
So if you get a chance, you got to check out Low Life, which hopefully will be hitting a uh, cinema fairly soon. No name actors. It's a super low budget movie, but it's it's really terrific. And I'm having a, a, a feeling we're going to be hearing a lot about Ryan Prowse in the uh, in the near future. Sweet. I also watched House last night. Not House, the uh, Sean S. Cunningham. No, no, the, the, Jap- the Japanese Hausu. Hausu, because I'm a part of a over at the podcast under the stairs. Uh, they're assigning people uh, years of the 1970s, and we're putting together a uh, top 10 list of horror movies from those years. And then we're going to have an episode on each year talking about top 10 horror movies. And I'm trying to reacquaint myself with some of the ones in my list of 1977. And one of those is Hausu, which, by the way, is so fucking great. And everyone it's, has to see it. It is like, like okay. So I, generally, I, like, I like to consider myself a, a relatively knowledgeable, if not sure. way above average absolutely in the realm of bizarre and disturbing and odd films like that's really like my wheelhouse you know and uh and every time somebody asks me what's the most bizarre film you've ever seen my answer is always house it's so fucking weird in I mean it's either that or society, which is another super fun weird <laughs> one. But but house I I always recommend because it's so bizarre but beautiful and yes. ridiculous and like so well made oh oh it's such a favorite i love it so much what i love most about Hausu is that we as people in north america were almost completely unaware of it until like 2010 yeah when suddenly it got a, a north american release and everyone was, was like this isn't just good this is fucking amazing yeah. and it you know it gives me hope that there are like still movies that are that are at least like fairly well known in their home countries that just haven't gotten the exposure outside of them that we can still discover and that they can be this good i mean like i said this movie is on my top horror movies of 1977 list a top 10 list that's how much i love it yeah. uh and and it deserves it man it's a movie that's so uh intentionally crazy you know it's everything about it is very intentional very plotted out like it 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 when there's something like really strange that you're watching on screen, it's because they wanted it to be that way and they planned it from the beginning. And uh, it's hard to plan out weirdness. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's only a few directors out there who can plan out weirdness to perfection. I mean, you think of like uh, Jodorowsky. Yeah. Who is like exactly. the master, you know, uh, and who, who did, uh, what's that movie? The Visitor. Oh, right. No, I know exactly what you're yeah. saying. That's like, another I've, one that kind of just uh, re, re, kind of found its, uh, um, it, its cult audience. That was a, was it Giulio Paradisi or something? I think so. I think so. Yeah. But that's another one that's just like bizarre insanity to perfection. Exactly. Yeah. Well, everyone should check out House Sue. Everyone should check out all the movies we just talked about. But Mo. Uh, you managed to maintain your energy for the entirety of uh, almost two hours. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. You know, this movie was actually kind of super fun to talk about. And once we got, <laughs> once we got going, you know, like it just kept, you know, keeping me up. So it was, well, we've, it was good. we've only got 96 episodes of exactly that same kind of thing. Mode, so I can see how it might surprise you. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, you know what? This one worked. <laughs> Well, I think it's time for both of us to take a well-earned rest in just a yeah, couple yeah, weeks. Yeah. Well, we will return with Tartarus, and then we're going to be heading headlong into our 100th episode. There are more surprises to be revealed, ladies and gentlemen. And yes, go over to our Facebook group right now. Make a guess about who 
our our one of our very special guests are going to be i am i'm dying to see what people think our special guest is gonna be i'm really glad i'm glad mo that you mentioned that it's not joe castro because otherwise i think people would have guessed that yeah yeah yeah, but yes everybody would have been like oh it's joe castro it's obviously joe castro it's not it's not joe castro i promise but but you know it's it's a surprise so try to figure it out folks and we will return very soon so why don't you say good night oh good night everybody the hell is that? This is not my imagination. Hello?